Hello, and welcome to Fintech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have Gerti Dervishi, Chief Growth Officer for Flybits. Flybits is a company that helps financial institutions utilize the context of clients, individual situations, geography, and other factors that help serve up better next recommendations. And with that, here's my interview with Gerti. Gerti, how are you doing today? Thank you for joining us. I'm good. Uh, thank you. And it's um, very nice to be here in Fintech Impact. My pleasure for having you. You have to sit through my many various edits of the uh, the intro for whatever reason I'm off today. But with that, Gerti Darishi, Chief Growth Officer of Flybits, tell us about Flybits. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, first, I'd like to introduce myself. So as you mentioned, Gerti Darishi, I'm one of the founding members of Flybits. I've been with the company since the very early days. I'm an engineer at first, like everybody else, when the company was put together. But over the years, I've been fortunate enough to be part of a variety of different business units. And today, as you mentioned, I lead the growth team. Now, in terms of the company, Flybits, it's got a very interesting story. I mean, the company is rooted in R&D. So for many, many years, it was a research group, built a lot of intellectual property, a lot of patents behind the technology, continues to partner with academic institutions to move forward this agenda of innovation uh, when it comes to customer experiences and delivery. And after that, it was spun off from the lab. And since it was spun off, it has have let me just after that it was spun off from the lab. And since it was spun off, it has um, deployments across the world, definitely in the US and Canada, but also in, around the world. Uh, we have offices in Latin America, Europe, Middle East, as well as in Asia. But what we do, we are essentially primarily focused on financial services, uh, including insurance and banks. But we are an experience design and delivery platform that makes organizations personalization ready from data all the way to the customer experience. Let me just give you an example. And one thing that we do uniquely, not only do we provide hundreds of -of out-of-the-box sort of different templates for mortgages, for insurance, for wealth, for cards, and so on. We also bring together not only the internal knowledge of an institution, but also how do you bring that with external components? Let me give you something that we can all resonate with. Finally, travel is coming back. So let's see. I bought my ticket with a credit card that has certain benefits associated with it. And as I'm going through the airport, maybe there is a major delay in my flight. So all these sort of data sets are coming together in real time. And in that time, there is a check in terms of the types of benefits available to me, and maybe a lounge access is provided right in that context. When I land, I'm supposed to rent a car. I'm not sure about you, but even today, like when I go rent a car, I'm not sure if I should pay for the insurance. I shouldn't pay for insurance. It's quite a confusing time in that moment. But right in that moment in time, this concierge type service provides me with peace of mind that, hey, insurance is covered because it's part of the benefits for the specific experience. So that's what it means. How do you bring together data that's coming from internal systems and it's coming from other associated partners like networks, for example, in this case, with a credit card? And how do you now bring out other external services, whether physical attributes like in an airport traveling or external sort of uh, third-party data like that airport delay and so on? Excellent. So it's funny because uh, more often than not, I'm sure you've heard this before amongst people out there is some people always seem to believe that their phones are listening in on them because how else could you possibly serve up a recommendation for something I was just thinking about or talking to someone about? And the default is always, they must be listening. But the answer, as you know, you just showed, is it doesn't have to listen. There's so much data that you are giving it on a regular basis. 
that you are basically that people who make those decisions to look for those things that you are replicating before they get to the final conclusion that frankly it's we're all becoming more and more open books just from our digital footprint so it's uh it's not surprising that that sort of context awareness would be used for something other than just serving up ads but how do we actually cater how do we bring the benefits that people never actually utilize or don't utilize enough and forget they're there and, and then feel good about being at that company. How do we bring that to the forefront? So um, yeah, not surprising to see that happening here. So talk to me about the history of the company. So, I mean, you talked about being very heavily rooted in research and how do you bring all this data together, which is no small challenge, but talk to me when you first hit the ground and started talking to financial institutions about bringing this kind of awareness to their platforms. Was there resistance? Was there, were they a little bit freaked out? Like how did they act? In comparison. Yeah, no, that's a very good, very good point. And sort of just to to add to the last point you made, I mean, one thing that's extremely important is that in order to deliver such services, you have to do that in a privacy-preserving way. And the way that that is done is we essentially tokenize the different data sets. So at no given time do we know that this is Jason, right, going through that airport experience. But the situation, right, is not necessarily unique to you. But And the reason why we do the tokenization is not only for the privacy preserving, which is extremely important, but also for security purposes. I mean, of course, the old saying is two types of companies, the ones that have been breached and, are about to, and, are, and the ones that are about to get breached. So the intent about tokenization is that you would have this information that's completely useless to the would-be perpetrators, because even ourselves, we're not able to identify that it's you. And so that's why we do a lot of this sort of techniques. Another thing that we do quite well, and I think it's quite innovative, is that at no given time do you do we collocate the data. So we talk about the different systems. There's a lot of talk out there in terms of, uh, and a lot of expenditures have been done in terms of building data lakes. We don't fully believe in data lakes. We think that those are expensive and at the end, they expose you to more security per problem because you've essentially centralized your data sets. So we're able to feed this and normalize the tokenize these data sets from distributed systems without having to co-locate that data. And that's where we develop a lot of these techniques and the mm. know-how. The second part, which was also the your, your other question was in terms of what was there a lot of pushback? Like how, how does this work? I mean, we go through a very rigorous process when we engage with financial institutions, not only for their privacy and security, but also in terms of user expectations and how are consumers now are going to, to receive certain services. And what we've seen is that we also have to, to bring in certain standardization of an experience. So what I mean by that, if you think about what happened in the world in this space, at first you have this platform place. Like you could do anything you wanted, but the end was, well, what should I do with it? And then there was a more like verticalization, right? like, you know, this is a financial specific on top of that platform. And now, in my opinion, what's going to happen is that we're going to see a standardization of experience. So in that travel experience, that will be the expected behavior of the financial or the brand that you're interacting with. Kind of like we, even in design, we'll settle, right? Like, here's where I'm supposed to check my account balance. Like, it's an expected behavior, how you go about finding that account balance and so on. It's the same thing for yeah. the other types the of... The way my Apple Watch nudges me to go to sleep at a certain time. Like, those things are becoming all commonplace. Correct. So the expectation is going to create a couple of things. Better alignment between the, the brand and the consumer in terms of the trust factor there, but also is going to create a need for all the brands or all the financial institutions in this case to catch up with the leaders in this space, because now there's an expectation as well for you to be able to deliver such things. 
Excellent. Okay. So you're seeing, and I take it you, of course, first thing is always security and consent. So those are, those bridges, of course, have been crossed. Talk to me about what you're, you know, you started off probably taking in a bunch of new, a uh, bunch of standard data sets that you expect, right? Like what are they, what products do they have? You know, things like geographic location, right? And you're not going to bug me about my lounge pass if I'm not actually at the airport, for example. Talk to me about some of the more like unique and esoteric data sources you're taking in that almost, you know, when you guys started bringing them in, almost surprised you you're going that route. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, think about weather, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's an important data set. So how does that work? What kind of use cases could we possibly derive in financial services about weather? And that was an interesting thing. And in collaboration with our customers, I mean, one thing that we do is that when we partner with a customer or a financial institution, we almost act like an extension of their innovation team. So we collaborate together in terms of what would be the best way to create our services. So a weather data set, so we brought it in from one of our partners, and this was about creating this just-in-time, based on weather patterns type of insurance for vacation homes. So if the weather uh, was showing certain patterns, that would make you more susceptible to whatever flooding or whatever that may be. Maybe there was an, uh, a potential for you to update or right-size your insurance for those specific purposes. And so that's where we uh, launched sort of use cases on that. Think about the battery on your device. So we all kind of panic, right, when we're low in battery. And so one thing that's already built in for, for our services almost everywhere, of course, you can change it, but it's like if there is a, if your device is running low, low in battery, then maybe some of the content should not be video-based because we're not looking to, to consume more of that. So that's how you can think about how every sort of signal or data set becomes an important part of an everyday experience for making our lives easier. So have you, uh, I mean, are you entitled or you collect the consumer feedback on this experience? Have you, have you basically been actually been able to get down to the end user on this or is that just in trials? Like are the financial institutions sharing that information with you? Well, think about data having a few different categories and we talked about it a little bit. So you have the internal data set, account balances, types of products and so on. And usually this sits in different systems as well. So we have a very unique way in terms of how these data should talk to each other without being co-located. So we also serve a purpose of de-siloing the organization itself based on the different sort of systems it may have in place. So that's one category. The other category would be like partner type data sets. We talk about the network in the case of that credit card purchasing patterns and so on. So we also are able to to bring that data set and talk to the rest of the systems. And then the other category is some of the things that we just talked about, more like public data sets, weather, location, et cetera. And also that comes out of the box with with the system. And by combining these different things, and we created hundreds of different templates. So take some of the guesswork out of the institution that we partner with. Because one thing that we didn't want is we didn't want a new technology, but the same sort of old habits uh, in terms of experience design. And so we're able to bring all of these in a privacy preserving, in an opt-in model, in a way that the value exchange is well understood by the end consumer, as well as the systems itself. What is the value that you're getting, correct, for that kind of a a data set or that kind of experience? And that's how we're able to bring it together. Everyone talks about experience design, and and that's correct, right? I mean, we have reached a point where experiences are more important than the products themselves. I mean, we can all understand what happens with some of the companies that really prove that in a large scale, like everyone talks about Uber and so on, right? I mean, the product is the same. I mean, it's transportation, point A to point B. 
the experience of how I'm not exchanging cash, finding where your driver is, and so on and so forth, really makes a huge difference. The same thing for that card I just explained. A card is just a card, and you probably never read the benefits you have, and you just threw them up. But in that specific context of a travel and so on, it becomes extremely important. Valuable, And so that's what we see as one of the biggest drivers, right? And economic drivers, whereby appearances are more important than the products themselves. And I think that we are probably one of the leaders in this space. And we do this in a very innovative way to essentially make the company's personalization ready. Yeah, it's um, an entire UX is the product at this point. There are superior or cheaper products that just don't benefit to the same degree as ones that are easier and friendlier to use. So that, that is absolutely true. So if you have this data, I'm curious, what have been some of the more popular use cases from the consumer angle? What are you finding very high levels of engagement with and some of the stuff you've done in the past? Yeah, I mean, we see cards to be a very big driver. So everything cards in terms of spend, in terms of rewards, in terms of offers, uh, consumers are particularly driven to that product because it's a product they probably interact most with. It has some of the components in place that we're most interested in. So I think card is a very big driver in our business. I mean, it also makes sense. There's a lot of ancillary benefit. Like what other product comes with so many little add-ons, right? There's not, Correct. not a lot there to work with in some other, like in a, in a, a bank account, right? There's not the same number of of uh, little bonuses that you get, that's for sure. Yeah, and it's a very dynamic sort of, you know, settings that you, you deal with, both internally, like let's say a lot of people have accumulated a lot of points and don't really know what to do with that. So maybe that's an opportunity now to create what we call burn accelerators, right? And help consumers make the most out of that. So that's a very big product. Another one that we see as well is in the lending space. Obviously, mortgages are a very big deal. But what we see unique here is that thanks to some of the functionality that we bring in terms of how we create these different data sets, think about a mortgage to you is, well, you're applying for a loan and you buy a home, right? That should be the end of it. But how can we extend that service uh, in terms of, yes, you, you've got the mortgage, you've got the home, but maybe you're going to need utility services, electricity and so on. You're going to need internet services right, as you go through that. Uh, moving services, you are likely going to need certain, you know, to connect it to that card example, you're going to need to go to home improvement stores and buying furniture and things like that. So how do you now bring a variety of these different products and create a customer-centric rather than a product-centric approach where a multitude of different products that financial services have will now cater to improve your overall financial status or financial situation and overall your life. So that's kind of what we see how do you bring now together a variety of different players and a variety of different products for that specific setting of buying a house, like I just mentioned, but bringing them together in a way that improves your life? Talk to me about the feedback you're getting from financial institutions. Clearly, I mean, you're trying to help it deepen their relationships. Do you feel like they're finally getting their heads around this and are they starting to kind of push you to do more? Or how has the kind of relationship changed from when they were early adopters now to basically having you pretty much fully integrated into the process? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with the customers that we have worked with, I mean, they've seen some significant results with us and we have been able to expand across the board and across products, across properties and so on and so forth. But one thing that financial institutions continue to be challenged with is in this area of experience design and delivery. See, how do you now are able to understand what experience design entails? And if I was to just truly summarize or probably be around four main components, uh, one is on the data side. And we talked about the data ingestion normalization layer and how do you create 
this way of interpreting data from various sources, whether it's internal cars, landing, et cetera, external grid scores, weather, and so on, and make sense of them, regardless of data structure, without having to collocate the data and, and make, so, make it such that it's privacy-preserving and unidentifiable. So that's one layer, right, which is it needs to be understood from financial services and how do you do that without having to go through multi-year implementations and create an abstraction layer on top of that. The other one where we see them being challenged is, well, how do you now empower the creatives of the organization so that they are able to now create those use cases and services without being all the time having to be encumbered by technology and IT? So we've created a layer on top of our data structure, which is called Experience Studio. And essentially what we've done, just to create a parallel, think about in the early days to build a website, you needed to bring in developers. And yeah, then, you, you know... Build a no-code platform over top of it. Correct. Like kind of like what WordPress did for, 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 for websites, we're mm-hmm. doing that for Experience Design. It has a few more dimensions, experiences, obviously, than a website. But we've done that where a non-technical individual can now deliver, customize, and send sort of these sort of use cases and services. Then lastly, what we've done is, obviously, these experiences have to be exposed into a channel. So let's take an example. For example, one of the most prominent channels right now is mobile. So we have created a set of sort of utilities and tools that very quickly an existing mobile application can be empowered with this, let's call it a recommendation system, and then will be transformed from a largely static interface into a fully dynamic interface that we could all have the same application. It behaves differently because we're different people, different needs, different situations. And even at different times of the day, my own application continues to adopt. So those are the three layers that we see as challenges. And those are three layers we've addressed with technology, but I think we continue to, to do a lot more work in terms of uh, evangelizing and uh, partnering with these organizations. Yeah. So where do you, you know, based on what you've done, and you've done, done a lot today, where do you see this going? Um, like, how do you see this entire context awareness market in financial services evolving further? Let's look at the f- potential future technologies that we could see. And let's look at it around those same layers that we talked about, at least the, 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 the three, the data, the experience, and the, the channel itself. On the data side, we see more and more the creation of these what we call data alliances, where multiple different, essentially, verticals converge into a financial transaction or outcome. And I mentioned the situation of, you know, you have a financial institution providing mortgages, a telco providing telecom services, um, a utility company providing utility services, and so on. So in order for that to happen, there's certain different techniques that are being developed right now of how do you ask questions from the, from the data rather than bringing the data in the same location. So I think that's going to be, those data lines are going to be very, very important. And I think we're well positioned in that space. The other one that's going to be quite important is in the experience creation itself, a higher degree of AI involvement. It will still be an assistant to a human, but it will actually come up with a lot more in terms of use cases and situations such as the ones that we, we discussed. It's not going to be a set and forget it, but it's going to be much more advanced. And that's also something that we think that we're working on. And on the channel side, obviously, one of the biggest things right now in the market is this the metaverse. And <laughs> so how is that experience now going to go from, as we saw it, from in-person to 
onto web to to mobile as well as the metaverse as just another channel that we're going to be interacting with. So that's kind of what I would say in our space would be some of the biggest trends and some of the transformations we see in the medium term. That makes sense. It's both a source of data and also a distribution channel for the experience itself, right? So it's a two-way communication there that you're that you're going to basically draw from and push to. Yeah, honestly, it's it's interesting. I mean, you have a it's such an interesting thought that essentially or or known fact that end of the day you're just another kind of marketing arm of you may be a tech, a tech platform, but really you're a marketing arm of the company. It is how do we wrap our arms around the client and be there with them when we're when when we're not there as a means of helping them. So. I would think that anyone who's looking to actually create a more more of a value perceived value proposition with the consumer is definitely going to be interested in what it is you're working on. Yeah, and I see that we, being a technology company, we and partnering with financial institutions, I think we bring something to the financial institutions that could help them remain relevant as they move forward. If you think about something that's been talked about forever. We see technology companies kind of entering the financial space, and we see financial services companies trying to catch up in the technology space in terms of the services they provide. I feel that Clibus is a, is a perfect partner for, for those financial institutions. And some of the different sort of business models that financial institutions could create should be around the, the strengths that they have. So think about trust, I believe. Financial institutions have something that they have at a much larger extent than, let's say, some of the tech companies out there. And I think leveraging that trust and creating an experience layer on top of that could be quite uh, quite interesting. I believe that financial institutions have an opportunity to transform themselves from not only being money vaults, as they've been historically, but to also being data vaults and utilizing different types of data sets in a privacy-preserving way, in a secure way to improve people's lives. Okay. So... All fascinating. Before we wrap up, I have three questions that I ask everybody to basically end on a positive note. First question I have for you is, if you had one wish for something you could change in your company, the industry as a whole, what would it be? I would have also made a direct-to-consumer offering. A direct-to-consumer offering around tailoring their kind of experience around themselves with their institutions? No, I mean, something that could have been a financial institution, financial services offering from Flybit to the consumer. I think that we have so much to bring to the consumer and we are usually uh, a bit slowed down because we have to, you're only as fast as the slowest in the chain. So, so you're saying being a challenger bank might have been the better idea or is just as good an idea. Yes. Maybe. Yes, fair enough. Excellent. I don't think anyone will ever disagree with you about the speed comment, that's for sure. The second question for you is what's been the biggest challenge in the company to where it is today? Well, it has been to, because we are a B2B2C company with a DNA of R&D and research. The biggest challenge has been trying to bring some of that sales type of uh, extension to the company. Obviously, we've done very well, the company's going, but it remains a company rooted in R&D. And so we always have that sort of push and pull in terms of how much to focus on sales versus uh, advancing and creating and continue to have a best-in-class technology. Yeah, you're serving two masters almost, right? So it's, it's always going to be a back and forth debate. Last piece of it is what excites you the most about what it is you're working on and keeps you getting up in the morning to keep on fighting the good fight? Well, I'm really curious in terms of um, what's about to happen in this space. We talk about some of the components, right? And the data, the experience design and the delivery. But I'm really, really curious to find out where this goes and where this takes us. I think that from a technology perspective, we're about to see some significant improvements and leaps 
in terms of customer experiences. And that's what drives me. Excellent. Well, you're definitely at a cutting edge field of something that just keeps on growing and growing. So I uh, expect you to be very amused by what you're doing for quite a while to come. Thank you. Excellent. And thank you for taking the time today, Garrity. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, uh, Jason. I uh, really appreciate it. And thank you for everyone that's listening. So is Garrity Dervishi, Chief Growth Officer of Flybits. Hope you enjoyed that. And I hope you enjoyed the kind of view behind the curtain of why you're getting nudged for some things when you don't expect it. Yes, the data you put there allows companies to basically better serve you. And again, consent is all is, is at its core, but I don't know about you, but I'm willing to consent to you instead of knowing what benefits I have and where I am, if it means that I actually have the ability to have a better experience altogether. So as yep. always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave your review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.